0: So, let's open up the show by talking about why Alien Covenant is the better of the quote unquote Blade Runner sequels that we've gotten this year. Every leap of civilization was built off the back of slaves. Replicants are the future, but I can only make so many. I
1: had the lock, and he has the key. I think I found him.
0: That's not possible.
1: If this gets out, we've bought ourselves a war.
0: Am I back? Yes, you are.
1: Fucking shit.
0: Okay. Was that intentional? Yes. Okay. That's fair.
1: Would you want to try starting this again?
0: Yes, let's, let's, with, let's with, do that.
1: Without mentioning a certain group of words. Uh,
0: yeah, okay. So, hello, welcome back to the Waffle Press. Movie. Why'd you fucking do that?
1: <laughs> Piece of shit. I'm in a fucking bad mood. Okay, I got a lot. I, I, I'm i going to go on a bit of a rant real quick.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and do not, you cannot interrupt me. Okay. When I do this rant. Okay. Um, so I, I literally... I just got out of Blade Runner 2049 about 30 minutes ago. Um, it was... It was long. It was boring. A lot of scenes lasted longer than they maybe should have. Um, there's some metatextual shit going on in it that I kind of found annoying. Uh, uh, that so the main characters were not very interesting. Um, and in fact, there were a lot of side characters who were more interesting than the main character. Uh, it seemed to be really impressed with showing off its special effects. Even though in the age of digital, it kind of makes those effects not as amazing as this would have been had it been made in the 80s. Uh, there's some contradictory uh, ideas going on in the film. Um It felt twice as long as its runtime, And because of all that, I think it might be the best film I've seen all year. (laughs) Because it was a Blade Runner sequel. And I love Blade Runner. So, um, yeah, I I loved it. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I was not expecting that. that I know a lot of people might be very confused about my logic here. (laughs) <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll get into it more but i loved it okay and uh i'm looking forward to watching it again at some point not in the theater but i will watch it again i, I mean i guess we should just both say what we think about on runner real quick um like I, i'm guessing people who regularly listen to the show know what you think
0: yeah uh, so why don't you go ahead with that too and just, just double up on that
1: and and you think it's the, an overrated piece of shit? <laughs> no, well, yeah. um, no, uh, no. I love the original Blade Runner, and it's a very flawed film, but it's it's got a lot in it that overcomes a lot of the flaws. Like you know, I've heard a lot of complaints about Blade Runner over the years that I think are all entirely valid. And it doesn't stop it from being a great movie, in my opinion. Um, closest being is that uh, Harrison Ford kind of rapes the chick in it. But uh...
0: I have a, a a thing on that. Here, let, let's let's do a mini discussion on the original Blade Runner, and then we'll just devote the rest of this to Blade Runner 2049 because there's a lot okay. to talk about that. Uh, and
1: we'll pro- and we'll be constantly going back to the original Blade Runner as we talk about. Blade Runner 2049 anyway, so...
0: Yeah, you really can't not talk about both when you're talking about them. Mm-hmm. And and not in a way that feels cheap, I would say.
1: Yeah, it wasn't... Um, like, that was the thing. This was, like, a really interesting nostalgia trip, which we've been getting a lot of lately. But it's not, you know, the same as, like, you know, going to see The Force Awakens and being like, oh, the Millennium Falcon and all this stuff. It's literally like wow, we're actually getting another Blade Runner movie. And it really, I mean, it didn't feel like... The thing that was amazing to me about the the whole movie was that it never felt like it was trying to turn Blade Runner into something it's not, you know? Um, Which was my fear when I was reminded at the very beginning that it was a Sony production. (laughs) Um, So, you know, like, this, this very easily could have been turned into, like, Blade runners just running down hallways shooting at each other. Oh, my God. For yeah. two hours. I mean, it, like, literally we're, uh, the same length except just fighting. <laughs> and it would have been significantly worse.
0: Yeah. Maybe it would have looked cool still. I mean, he got Roger Deakins, but it wouldn't have been this.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't think – this is going to sound really weird. <laughs> But I don't think looking great is, like, a major accomplishment in this day and age. I would agree. Because a lot of people, you know, do a great job at making great-looking movies these days. Including movies that are just awful. So, you can make a movie that looks like Blade... There's a lot of movies out there that look like Blade Runner, and they're not Blade Runner, so... Um, and we don't really remember those movies too often.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's true. Uh, but I would toss in that asterisk... This year, I think for the most part, even the big budget movies, they all they all have a nice look to them, you know. And even like movies that have been like awful, I'm like, yeah, you know what? They look like a legitimate movie production. But then like a year ago, it was like bad. Specifically, yeah. the big budget stuff—they looked flat, and they were shot awfully, and everything looked we like had concrete. Those, we had those big
1: budget movies all come out really quickly that looked like they had all been rushed, like you know, like the Fantastic Four reboot. And you'd get, like, scenes in it that, like, were really well done. The special effects mixed with scenes that look like they were shot in someone's backyard.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so... But I, I this year I have been really impressed. I mean, I would, like, just... I, there was a preview for Geostorm before uh, the new Blade Runner I saw. And uh, I was kind of amazed at how good the effects looked <laughs> in Geostorm.
0: Um, such a dumb movie idea, but hey, which I will be watching in IMAX with a group of friends. Hopefully, I haven't convinced anybody to join me besides our friend Patrick Campbell over from Real Film Chatter. So, well, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Thanks. We're gonna have. I a will couple be. Beers. I will
1: be sitting at home.
0: <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Um, but let, let's let's talk about the original Blade Runner now. Um, uh, all right, what, what version did you first see? The first version I saw was actually the director's cut. So here's a story. Uh, I've mentioned it before. Where I had a appendicitis, right, and I was I was bedridden for a week. You know, on that's how Houdini died, you know. Really? Yeah, appendicitis. Oh shit! Sorry, dude. Um, and uh, I had a bunch of iTunes gift money from Christmas because I got appendicitis like a couple weeks after Christmas. It was like in January, mm. and I was like, oh, I'll buy some movies. You know, I hear that Blade Runner is pretty good, and. This is right around the time I'm really getting into movies, like, hardcore, mm-hmm. like, reading a bunch of film criticism online and everything, um, before you find out everyone's just a fucking creep, and then, <laughs> um, and then I watch- We're looking Blood at movies. you, Harry Knowles. <laughs>
1: Fucker. Stop sending me messages.
0: <laughs> and oh, so, I'm sorry. Fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck and so I watched Blade Runner, and I was pretty in and out of it for, like, about a week after appendicitis. I, For whatever reason, I wasn't, like, healing properly or whatever. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and I just I felt like I had watched, like, a fever dream. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. like that made me, like, feel something. I'm going to watch that again so that I just watched it, like, continuously throughout the week. I have, like, a stack of movies I was going to watch while, while I was recuperating. And then I just kept watching Blade Runner. And I couldn't explain why I liked it, but I liked the way it made me feel. I liked the texture of the world. I liked the melancholy. And then, you know, as they go on and on, then you find out about the theatrical cut. I'm like, oh, I wonder what's different. <laughs> and I was like, oh, 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 boy, that, that voiceover does it no favors. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my first little, little experience with Blade Runner.
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting way to be introduced to Blade Runner. How about you? Well, alright, hold on, first, real quick side story because I just have something similar to that where I, uh, I watched the second Hellraiser film on like a ton of cough syrup because I was really sick and I like started, like I, I crawled into the corner of my bed and started crying because I thought I was hallucinating the movie <laughs> <laughs> because it was so insane and I thought I was losing my mind And then I just went. I rewatched it later without any medication, and it turned out the movie was just that insane. (laughs) Anyone who's seen Hellraiser two knows what I'm talking about. Uh, So that's an that was an interesting experience. (laughs) Um, And similar to your appendicitis thing, uh, I've been suffering from chronic illness for about a decade at this point. I'm very sorry. I've had a lot of a lot of time to watch movies. Um, anyone following me on Twitter right now knows I'm going through a hundred horror films this month. Yay. I got through zero today because of Blade Runner and then doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a lot of catching up to do. Um, but, uh, I saw Blade Runner. I don't remember when I just remember like, you know, at some point you start looking up like what are considered the best movies ever. And you no, know, if you're in in any geek circles, there's always someone talking about Blade Runner. <laughs> In some corner of the room (laughs) and so at some point i was like i better watch blade runner and i watched it and i kind of stopped paying attention about halfway through (laughs) because i got really bored then i you know i'm just kind of like i was thinking about it a lot and i was like maybe i missed something with blade runner so i revisited it and i i still didn't really care for it (laughs) And then about six more times watching it, and then I was like, oh, okay, I I get it. So that's my Blade Runner adventure. (laughs) I would say I only got Blade Runner like a year ago. So I've been watching it like on and off for the past ten years.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, I mean, everyone's different. I mean, uh, I have have another friend who um, we watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre on the big screen recently together, Mm. and he was saying how like, yeah, he wasn't He didn't feel Blade Runner until very recently either, but now it's Mm -hmm. like something he just adores. And he also loved Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's just, it's one of those movies that it doesn't, if you bring certain ideas to it, you're not going to enjoy it. Like if you're going in expecting like, you know, like really good detective film with robots, (laughs) you're not going to get that. You really have to get into its rhythms. And that doesn't mean that it's not flawed and that you're not, like, you know... Because I'm kind of sounding like I'm saying turn your brain off, which is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, you, at some point, I think you can learn to live with Blade Runner's flaws and discover its real value, which there is a lot. And it significantly outweighs problems I've always had with the movie. Um, and some movies I just don't think play very well the first time you see them, like I the first time I saw Vertigo, I was like kind of really creeped out by it. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, "Oh, I get it." And it's also it does not play well with a crowd because I saw it with a crowd once, and literally like at the end of it, there's like people going, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> so certain movies are just like that. It's it, this is just you know, this is just an example of how not all movies. Sh- Fit into neat categories of story structure or character development.
0: Yeah, this, this is one of the prime examples. It's why, like, uh, Save the Cat bullshit is bullshit. Yeah, that's I, I about, feel like, anyways.
1: It is. All, all that shit is about selling screenplays.
0: Yeah, which, I mean, sh- sure. I mean, I, I get why there's a comfort to that, you know? I mean, I, I, there's there's a value in learning those things
1: and there's a value in understanding the three-act structure, which does like, which is a real thing. But it's wrong to approach every movie thinking it should meet those things. And it's wrong to write a movie intentionally trying to hit all those beats. Um, Because, you you know, those aren't aren't the things that make movies interesting. And Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner is literally filled with All the stuff that make movies great, minus the structure and
0: character. (laughs) Yeah, it it really is. um, It's very much uh, like a long, gestating mood piece. Yeah. That just happens to be uh, one of the greatest films ever made.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's fucking how that shit works. I mean... (laughs) And I mean, that's why I love movies like, you know, two thousand one, which also, like, basically has no characters. I mean, the most developed character in that movie, much like Blade Runner, is a is an artificial intelligence. And everyone else is kind of a prop. Um, it's. I'm am trying to like I'm I'm a little fucking zonked from just getting out of the movie because there was that was it was a Blade Runner twenty forty nine was kind of oppressive. <laughs> um, especially because they had the sound up so loud in my theater. I mean, a little too loud, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but no, the, the original Blade Runner, it's just, I mean, just looking at it, even going back to it today and watch the director's cut is before you watch the final cut. Anyone out there who hasn't bothered and for some reason is listening to this because um, the, the, The director's cut leaves in a lot of the flaws that just happen to a movie that ages over the years. Final Cut cleans it up a little bit. And I got nothing against doing that, as long as you preserve the original version. And uh, I think it's important to watch Blade Runner with its flaws, because it still looks amazing. Even the not cleaned up version of Blade Runner looks pretty fucking amazing for its time
0: you know i actually uh, uh, minus some of the cleanup stuff and one shot in particular at the end i want to talk about uh i prefer the director's cut something about the colorization in the final cut i i, I don't think it yeah. looks that nice uh i like the colors in the director's cut but uh the way they clean up like the sky and um some of the background stuff it, it looks fucking awesome on blu-ray mm-hmm. uh, and the shot when, I guess spoilers for the original Blade Runner and 2049 for the rest of this, uh, when after the Tears in the Rain monologue and Roy lets the dove fly away and the dove flies in the clouds and the director's cut, they just shot it like in the back of some warehouse <laughs> and it doesn't look good. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh wow, there's yeah. like no cloud, it's just okay, that's it. And then the final cut, it's like this gorgeous, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, an impressionist painting with the dove (laughs) flying away and it's just like (laughs) that quality is so vast and like oh my god um but like besides that i I prefer the director's cut yeah yeah which is an odd thing to hear i guess
1: i get i don't know i think people tend to agree um i don't know blade runner fans can be a little weird (laughs) yeah because it's like a movie that has like seven cuts Yeah, which
0: is uh, I think one of the reasons why Blade Runner 2049 was never really going to make that much money. Some people are like, how did this happen? Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, no one knows this movie exists outside of film circles. Mm -hmm. It might be a problem for us. Well, I literally
1: just watched Blade Runner 2049 with someone who never thought Harrison Ford was a replicant. Oh. And went to the whole movie, and then I said that in the car, and they went, what? (laughs) <laughs> and that person loved the movie so I don't know what to say about that But because <laughs> um, that's always a weird thing about you know the original there's a lot of debate still even, even with 2049 out there's always going to be that debate about whether or not Deckard's a replicant um, and whether or not it was intended by Ridley Scott which I don't think matters, but... Yeah. Because Ridley Scott... Look up any interview where he tries to explain how Deckard is a replicant and then realize Ridley Scott might be an insane person.
0: Um, I think you get more out of the movie if Deckard's a human because he's learning about his own humanity, not a robot Mm -hmm. learning about humanity. Like, I I get the, the interesting concept of, like, oh, a machine designed to hunt other machines... But then, spoilers again, uh, Blade Runner 2049 confronts that same idea. So it's like, well, you get that anyway, so I'm just going to go around with my belief that Deckard is indeed a man who maybe thought he was not at one point, but, you know,
1: not important. I don't think the answer matters. I think that's kind of what the point is. Like, it doesn't really matter, so shut the fuck up, Ridley Scott. Um 'Cause it's more about like how that line has is now like forever blurred between replicant and humanity. And that's kind of one of the thoughts it leaves you with. Which is another thing. Blade Runner leaves you with a lot of questions. And that can frustrate people or it can make you want to rewatch a movie over and over again. Even a movie you're not sure you like. Um so, I know, so Blade Runner, I think I think it's the classic i i it's one of the best movies ever um takes took me a little while to really get into its groove, but I've seen it more than a lot of other movies
0: so it's uh it's, it's my favorite science fiction film and yeah there there' are definitely issues and one of the big point of contentions is obviously when deckard forces himself onto Rachel. yeah and, yeah, and um i I want to believe that that is not meant to be portrayed in a positive light. But Ridley Scott's a weird dude and I, I can't say for certain whether he is, but my read of it after it's most recent viewing and for a while now um, mm-hmm. is that Decker the humans are pieces of shit. You know, they're, they're also far less interesting than the replicants. Yeah. And so he doesn't even see her like as a person. Clearly before this, and he doesn't recognize her own autonomy and humanity. And so by the end, you could have done that without a rape. No, you totally (laughs) could have. Yeah, yeah, you totally (laughs) could have done this better and in a less uncomfortable way. Um, Yeah. And by the end, you know, he's not forcing her to do anything. He's he asks her, "Do you trust me?" And then she replies, "I trust you." And yeah, it's uncomfortable, and, and it doesn't need to be in the movie that way. But I, I guess it works. But like uh, a lot of people have been watching Blade Runner for the first time recently for preparation for 2049, and a lot of people are uh, coming across the scene and being like, why didn't anyone tell me there's a rape <laughs> scene in Blade Runner? And it's like, yeah, why aren't more people talking about that? That's kind That's- of a, a heavy thing. It's kind of
1: because that stuff, I mean, the stuff in that movie that's memorable isn't that. I mean, part of it is literally like I I have sat down to watch Blade Runner and that moment happens and I'm like, oh yeah, this scene is in the movie. Yeah. Like I really I sometimes I just don't remember because it's not a moment that really stick even like with the awfulness of it, it's a boring moment of the movie. It's kinda like an oh, all right. I guess we're going there. And then it's really not explored in a way that it really should have been.
0: No, it is It is not.
1: If, if you were going to go there. Um, and, I mean, literally, it, it shouldn't... I'm not saying it shouldn't be in the movie. I don't know what... There's no real way to, like, fix Blade Runner. Like, other than take out the shitty voiceover and remove the happy ending. But, like, there's not a... There's not like a thing where you go, like, well, this is how this moment should have played out. It's like, well, this is how it played out in Blade Runner, and now we kind of have to live with that. <laughs> um, I mean, all the stuff with Deckert is kind of boring, honestly. He's not uh, a, a,
0: an interesting character.
1: He's not interesting. He's not a great detective. He's got like two moments that are kind of good detective moments. Um, the guy giving the Voint comp test and the opening of the movie is, does a better job. <laughs> in my opinion, that scene like is really intense partly because of that actor's performance. Um, and, uh, and just you're something that's like I think kind of the opening of Blade Runner I think kind of sums up all my feelings about it because you have that really great scene where they give the Voight-Comp test. And it just, it's kind of getting intense, and you don't totally know what's going on, because they don't explain exactly what, but you can piece it together. Um, and then, at the very end, you know, I'll tell you about my mother, and he shoots the guy. And then there's a really awkward cut <laughs> to, the, to the city. And you're like, what the fuck was that? And every time I watch the movie, that edit like specifically takes me out of the movie for like a second.
0: Like, do you feel that too? Like, it's a really bad cut. It's, you know what? It's a very jarring cut. I don't know if I define it as bad, but, you know, I hadn't seen a movie like that by that point when I first saw it. And so I was just like, this is different. I better, I better settle in. Oh, whoa. And um, it's just, it, it just it feels f- like the last scene didn't even end.
1: And then we're in the middle of a scene that hardly began. It's just its a very odd cut. Yeah, odd. Maybe I, it's, I would
0: definitely call it odd. Maybe it's
1: intentionally jarring. But still, I mean, that's kind of how I... It, it's, it might be intentional, but it's still jarring. Yeah. <laughs> and that's Blade Runner to me. There's a lot of weird stuff in it that I, I just recognize as weird, and I just know I can live with it, though.
0: Yeah, like, is it intentional, is it not? I don't know, but i, I it's working for me. And it's also weird,
1: because there's, like, you know, the foundation of it is also, like, kind of really bizarre, because, you know, it's a Philip K. Dick book,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there's a lot of weird elements that are kind of brushed over, um, like the fact that the one girl is a member of a kick-murder squad.
0: <laughs> like, what is that?
1: what the fuck is that? Like, why are there kick murder squads in the future? What does that mean? And it's barely... I mean, it just kind of establishes that she can fight. But it's such an odd little thing. It's such an odd phrase to use in a movie that is so dour and serious and moody. Like, that feels like something out of Barbarella. (laughs) (laughs) And you get a lot of that. There's a lot of weird, jarring stuff. And the other stuff in it is, you know, there's it's got a lot of noir visuals. Like, you know, it's kind of like a classic neo-noir type film. And, but story-wise, it's a terrible noir film. You have a terrible detective and a terrible femme fatale in the form of Rachel. who's an interesting character, but they don't do much with her. (laughs) They kind of forget, forget about her for long stretches of the movie
0: it's very uh, touch and go in how it develops this quote unquote relationship mm. with the characters. But given like, like I call it like a, it's very fever dream. It very, it feels like, like vignettes rather than like a whole cohesive story being told. Uh, it's that, almost that it's...
1: like how the implanted memories are, man. Hey, well, I mean, that's, that's kind of true. Yeah, but I don't know if that's intentional, but I get that. It, it, creates that
0: vibe you yeah know? intentional or otherwise it, it definitely is the final product of the movie for me
1: we're given someone else's memories and then we fill a lot of the blanks in
0: with our own thoughts it definitely feels like that and it's a big part of the reason why i love the movie so much and there's minimal plot progression it's not a propulsive movie at all you just kind of feel things out there's long stretches of silence too where it's just the evangelist score yeah blaring and kind of carrying you through the city.
1: Yeah. I mean...
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, if, I just like the way change, that feels.
1: If you change that pace, the movie would work even less. <laughs> like, you can't really give this movie a fast pace. Because then it wouldn't be Blade Runner. I mean, it would be a different movie. It would maybe be Akira or something, but it wouldn't be Blade Runner. I think it'd be more the uh, Total Recall
0: remake. Yeah. Which is not a compliment.
1: Yeah. There's a like, there was actually a couple of total recall uh I felt references in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um I mean Philip K. Dix, so there's a connection. Hey. Yeah, I was not say. sure what else to say about because that that's a movie that's just been talked about endlessly. And there's no real definitive way to talk about it. Like you can't other than saying the special effects are great, which they are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the only thing I think everyone agrees on. And then if you talk to anyone else, they, you can talk to two people who absolutely love it, and they can love it for two completely
0: different reasons. It's almost a and, David Lynchian in that kind of way, where everyone walks away feeling differently about different things.
1: Yeah, I was thinking a lot about Lynch watching, a, watching the new Blade
0: Runner. Um, oh, he would direct the shit out of one. No, don't, keep, keep him in his world. No, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying I, I want him to, I'm just like, hypothetically. It's a hypothetical yeah. only, not a, not something I want.
1: I don't know, honestly, this will sound weird, but no, I would not want a David Lynch Blade Runner. Because <laughs> then it wouldn't be Blade Runner, it'd be a David Lynch film.
0: It'd be Dune.
1: It, it would, yeah, and Dune is, you know, a very bad movie that I also love. <laughs> <laughs> but it is not a good movie.
0: <laughs> yeah that's, that's that's Blade Runner just it it exists in a very weird form intentional or otherwise it, I like the way it makes me feel yeah some great shit
1: yeah. check it out if you haven't why are you listening to this
0: you're a cop I your job once things were simpler then what do you Ask you some questions. What happened? I covered my tracks, scrambled the records. We were being hunted. By who?
1: I know you're here.
0: You do not know what pain is yeah. yet. You will learn. Bring it to me.
1: This breaks the world. We have to go.
0: I'm coming with you. Where is he? Blade Runner 2049, I haven't given my thoughts on it, but uh, I also loved it, mostly. Yeah. Mostly. Um, there, there's some, some issues here and there, obviously. Uh, but I'm on the flip side of you with the, the central character. I love Officer K. I, I, I legitimately adore this character. He's just a very He's... sad little robot boy who wants He's to be He's more real. interesting
1: than Harrison Ford ever was.
0: Yeah, um, by far. In the
1: original. But there's a couple characters floating around Ryan Gosling's character that I just found more interesting. You it's not like necessarily that Jared he, Leto? he isn't. Um, you know, if it wasn't played by Jared Leto, <laughs> that character was kind of interesting. Um, and I constantly had moments where I'm like, oh, you know, this is
0: kind of, oh, fuck yeah, it's Jared Leto. Oh my God. Okay. Let's get that out of the way. That's, that's my big negative for the movie. Yeah, Jared Leto's in it. (laughs) I know. I know some people see something in him. I see nothing in his performances. He's just playing dress up. He's just like he's he's play acting. He's he's not actually giving a performance. He's Jim Carrey.
1: Uh, Jim Carrey. Whenever you watch him in a movie, you can tell he is trying his hardest, and that's not a good thing because. You shouldn't be it should look effortless. That actors are supposed to make really difficult things look effortless. And Jared Little is actively trying to show you how hard he's trying to act. And with every delivery, it's like, this is dialogue. (laughs) And I mean, you're like, yeah, thanks, buddy. (laughs) And it's just not good, you know? I mean, I just thought the, the character, the visual of that character was interesting. And uh, even though he looked like Jesus, um, which is, you know, a little like, hey, yeah, he's got a god complex, whatever. <laughs> um, but I like the blind element with his little eyes floating around the room.
0: Yeah, I would have liked that more if, like, I guess I don't need to do that much more with it. But, uh, it's just the character is such a bust for me because of Leto's performance, and I yeah, don't know if I, I don't know if that's fair, but that's what I came away with.
1: Well, in a weird way, I thought it worked because of Leto's bad performance. Because, <laughs> like Jared Leto's a horrible asshole, and his character in this movie's a horrible asshole, and he's but he's trying not to be. And he doesn't see himself as a horrible asshole. And it, it, you get that vibe in the movie. Like, it really feels like, you know, how Steve Jobs kind of presented himself. <laughs> you know, I mean, Steve Jobs, we have for everyone knows Steve Jobs was a horrible, horrible person. And in every interview, though, he's like your grandfather, kind of. <laughs> he's like, hey, you know, I just had a dream. And I just I made it happen on whimsy, and I was changing the world. And I help, in the meantime. I helped found Pixar because I believed in their philosophy. And that story about me yelling at John Lasseter totally didn't happen. Um, and you know, it kind of worked in a weird way for me. Um, but it, I also I just love this idea that Jared Leto keeps getting cast in big movies and then he's in them for like two
0: minutes oh my god this is my favorite new trope like this is a great trend continue it
1: like keep hiring him but like film all these scenes that you know you're gonna cut
0: (laughs) (laughs) being like like you
1: know you're talking to him and you're like oh yeah he's that this guy he's central to the plot and then you're covering up the phone so you can hide your laughter
0: (laughs) (laughs) you think you want to give him a big part (laughs) <laughs> you know what shit i genuinely <laughs> loved with him though um, what with him and when he meets deckard and it's like it's very clearly inspired by like heat where it's constantly mm-hmm. shifting between the two of them talking and depending on who is uh in control of the conversation the lighting kind of warps around them then the faces get darker and then someone else starts talking when they're in charge and then the lighting fades away on their face when someone else is in charge, and I thought that was that was pretty that was pretty good stuff. Uh, Deacons and Villeneuve do the heavy lifting on that, but yeah. Leto's in it, so I'll, well. I'll I like sure. I. I think
1: Leto the set they kept Leto on has more character than he does.
0: Oh yeah, that thing is gorgeous.
1: It was great. The two the two sets he appears on in the movie <laughs> are both more interesting than him. But that's, that could be said about a lot of things in this movie, because you're kind of just like every other scene, you're like, wow. And just looking at it, you're thinking about a lot of stuff. At least I was.
0: Yeah, I, I thought about the world more so than the characters in this one, uh, for the most part. But uh, specifically with Leto. And I was actually surprised. Um, who's the actress who plays Lieutenant Joshi? Uh, oh, first, uh, right. yeah. Robin oh. Robin Wright. Thank you. Yeah, Robin Wright, great actress who has really nothing here also. She had a couple moments. She, she's good, but, I mean, the, the character also feels, I, I don't get it. Maybe well, yeah, of
1: the. I don't know, but she's kind of like the MM Emmett Walsh of the original. I mean, like, you know, M. Emmett Walsh, when he calls Deckard and Hannah has, like, a weird kind of way he's talking to him. Mm-hmm. And it's like this weird, like you're like there's this unspokenness between both of them, and like Emma Walsh is almost kind of getting pleasure out of sending Deckard on this horrible mission, <laughs> and there's kind of like that weird unspokenness between her and Gosling that I think I'll I'll pick up more on when I rewatch it. Um, but hey, and I I don't know she I, I, she's, I, like I just where like she was in it,
0: but yeah, when when it was when she gets killed off, I was like i i don't think i understood fully what they were going for with that that character but Mm -hmm. i'm open i'm open to that like on rewatches yeah well that's that's what
1: this movie is going to be a movie i watch a lot probably in the background while i'm doing other things but i will be watching it a lot i'm probably taking some notes too um my, my room has just turned into tons and tons of notebooks on movies. <laughs> I look like the psycho from Seven. Except all oh, this is me complaining about things wrong in Man of Steel. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's a lot of good actresses in this movie who kind of get relegated to weird places. Um, I think there's probably a couple problems with uh, how the women are all portrayed in this movie. Um, yeah, because they're all kind of they're all objects, mm-hmm. uh, literally. Uh, one is an object that he carries in his pocket. Yep. Uh, but that was honestly, she was a more interesting character to me than Ryan Gosling. Yeah, like and Ryan she... Gosling's an interesting character in this. Like, that's the weird thing. It's not like I'm saying they did a bad job with Gosling's character. It's just they kept introducing these other characters. Who were even more interesting than him.
0: Yeah, and uh to Joy, yeah, she's literally an object. But mm-hmm. she's she's a fascinating character in her own right. And what I really like between uh Joy and Kay and their relationship, there's that idea of like, well, how much of it is programming, how much of it is like legitimate. But uh regardless of that, how they both want to be more quote unquote human, more human than human, mm-hmm. they Hey. Um, that that sense of like melancholy and longing, which is like so pivotal to the original Blade Runner for me, really mm-hmm. felt like, oh yeah, like this, they, they know what they're going for. They, they know what made Blade Runner special with its perfection and imperfection and:
1: Yeah, everyone showed up between the two.: Everyone showed up and knew exactly what to do,
0: <laughs> and they put Ridley
1: Scott in a back room and gave him a coloring book. <laughs> <laughs> and, and occasionally ask him like what some stuff he thinks is interesting about science, and then out of his ramblings, they got some good ideas. Because <laughs> I, I, mean, I'm mocking really Scott, but I can feel his like fingerprints on this movie. Um, it's just I, it's literally just I can feel like what ideas were his, or stuff that he might have been interested in and that he's talked about to people over the years, and just that. Because it wasn't in his hands, it was executed much better than he ever would have executed it.
0: Oh, I don't know about that.
1: Yeah, no, if Ridley Scott had directed this movie, it would have been a train wreck. Of epic proportions.
0: Well, we're, we feel very differently about modern Scott, so... Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> and you're
1: wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, fucking gods of Egypt...
0: Motherfucker. Oh, uh, that's not we don't talk about that.
1: <laughs> fucking gods of Egypt. That's fucking important. Fucking half of American Gangster.
0: I'll I'll go to bat ha- for American Gangster.
1: Half of American Gangster is one of the best crime movies I've ever seen. The other half has Russell Crowe in it. Which is just all terrible. Fuck movies. Um <laughs>
0: Except Blade, Blade Runner 2049.
1: Except Blade Runner 2049. And one other thing they did that the original Blade Runner did, that this movie does, is that you know exactly how everything is going to play out once everything is established.
0: I, you know uh, what? I, I, I did not. What are you, an idiot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm uh, just fucking with you. Everything with K, I, I legitimately had no idea. Until the very end where the third act is finally set up, Everything after Las Vegas, there, you, you see how it's going to play out. Well, all
1: right. The only thing for me. Well, all right, so. How do you pronounce the director's name? I always fuck it up. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> Sorry. Um, is a guy. I have such mixed feelings on him, but I've kind of come around to him. Um, because the first movie I ever saw of his was Prisoners, and I, I hated Prisoners. I, I don't like it either. Thank you. For with, a, being sane. with a passion, I mean, like I literally walked out of that movie. Like that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And I've tried rewatching it now, even like with like res- the respect I've gained for him over the years, <laughs> I've rewatched Prisoners, and it hasn't gotten any better. Um, but you know, he did a rival last year, uh, which kind of blew me away. Um. The first half of Sicario was really good. Uh, Enemy was pretty damn good. Like, he's gotten be- progressively better in my eyes over the years, but I still don't really know what to make of him. This movie might be the moment where I'm like, all right, he's actually good. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I'm honestly probably not going to know until I rewatch this movie a few more times. Uh, but for me, like, because the moment that they're... It, the, the idea that Rachel had a child. She had a baby. The moment that idea was mentioned, I was like, oh no. And I was like, please don't have Ryan Gosling be that baby. And thankfully, I knew in the back of my head, because there's you know the whole thing about the memories of replicants are based on real memories. Which it, it turns out, that's only true in the original movie. Since then, that practice has been outlawed. Um, but we are later told that, yes, his memory... is in, He has this memory that connects him to this uh, baby that they know was born. Um, and it turns out that, yes, that is a, a real memory. But it might not be his. And I was, I was basically the whole movie just hoping... It wasn't going to be his memory. And I was very afraid that it was going to end up being that, oh, no, he was his son. But
0: thankfully, that ended up not being the case. Do you think the movie still would have worked if he had been? No. I don't think so either.
1: Um, Honestly, that was a Honestly, because the moment the idea of a child is introduced, the first place I went was like, okay, Gosling's the son. And that's the least interesting thing to do. And for the movie to string me along, because the whole movie, like, it's stringing you along, but I'm literally just waiting to get answers I feel like I already know. And the only one I wasn't, like, 100% sure on was whether or not he was the son or if he was the clone. And thankfully, he's the clone of that child. He's the, the replicant. Um... I didn't see the twist coming that it was the girl until it was, you know, kind of established that it's definitely a girl. Like, once it was like, it's a girl, and she exists, and we've kept her head, and I'm like, oh, okay, then it's that girl. Okay, yeah, like, um,
0: but that's like all the way at the beginning of the third act. Yeah, but, but what I was saying is,
1: but the moment the child was introduced, I got all the ideas about either Gosling is the child, or he's the memory. He has the memories of that child.
0: I, I guess I, I underestimated them because I was convinced Gosling was the child and I was just mm. like, oh no.
1: Like, yeah, like literally you know? I was
0: okay, just sure. I was
1: like, the whole time I was just sitting there going, I hope it doesn't do that. But I was, but the movie was going so well I was kind of like, they're not going to, they'll, they'll be smart enough with it. Um, and that was, I mean, to take me back to Prisoners, the whole time watching Prisoners when I saw it in theaters, I was like, this is so dumb. I hope there's something smart at the end of all of this that makes all of this worth it. And no prisoners probably had one of the dumbest endings ever. Oh, that's my favorite part of the movie. It, oh, it, it, but it turns into complete schlock and like grandma was the villain the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, but so, you know, there was a chance it could have gone that way with this movie, but thankfully it didn't. Um, but at the same time, like I, there's no real mystery. You just you know that it's either going to go one or, of two ways. Um, and that's not bad. I mean, because the original Blade Runner, I honestly think you pretty much know how that movie's going to end when you start. There's a lot of stuff that happens in between that you would never predict. But you know how the movie's going to end when you start the movie.
0: I don't know if it's that cut and dry, but they're not... Plot-wise, they're not very complex. I'd say, like, emotionally and just, like, how the movies feel, those are where the richness come in, you know?
1: Yeah, and how the movie decides to tell you its story beats is where you get – where it becomes interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And where it's Um, actually uh, some of my – what I thought were going to be complaints for 2049 were going to be – because the first half is mostly mm -hmm. plot-driven, I would argue. Um, there's nice stuff where uh, we we get the world building again. That's classic Blade Runner stuff. You get the texture of the world, um, but if you look at how they're framed, they're very different because Kay and Deckard are very different characters. Uh, yeah, the opening to Blade Runners that you know that vast landscape with the, the city lights and the, the smog and the flames. Here it's just flat white dirt, nothing. And, and, that, and yeah, that's, that's good. That's some good shit. And that, and also the movie out of, right out of
1: the gate, Goslin's a replicant.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah, doesn't I even. Love
1: that. I mean, because that because they easily like in a lesser hands we would have had the exact same mystery of is he or is he not a replicant? Is and it almost flips it on its head, you know. I mean, it's kind of an inverse of. The, is Deckard a replicant thing when we start wondering if he really is the child of Rachel and Deckard um, it's just but I get yeah but uh, one thing though the opening that one thing in the opening that kind of bugged me was the uh, the endless field of uh, solar panels
0: yeah it's
1: a little hokey uh, that's not how solar energy works <laughs> Um. Solar energy, it's more, the, the issue with solar energy is more about batteries and not really having, We there needs to be a lot of panels, but we don't need endless fields of solar panels. We just need to find better ways of integrating it into, like, our daily lives. Um, as some have suggested, making our roads solar panels, but I guess in a world where roads don't exist. Um, Might
0: be arbitrary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Still, uh, it's... But after that, I loved it. Like, all, the, all the landscape shots totally worked, especially that huge wall. Um, oh my keeping... god, that
0: thing is which, amazing.
1: Which was just, like, wow. Um, oh, there's and the fact one...
0: that... Right. Oh, go ahead.
1: Well, the one thing that was also really great about this movie with its, like, landscape shots is that it kept the same type of perspective we would have gotten in b- the original Blade Runner. Like, like every now and then it goes outside of it and we get a little faster paced stuff, but it it sticks to the constraints the original film had that were more out of the, the original film had because they couldn't show those effects in any other way. Now we live in an age where you can show everything. anything you want can appear on the screen and but they made a very conscious decision to keep the camera in you know very like tight places at times or, places that felt like you know you were looking at models at times, but you know, they weren't models. They're digital shots.
0: Yeah, and uh, initially that was kind of bugging me because I like the free-flowing nature of the first Blade Runner a lot. And I, I still think, I still love that movie far more than I love this one. all, mm-hmm. just a uh, preference where, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're just spending time in that world and you're feeling the environment. You know, it's so tangible and there's like this grimy texture to it all. And this one doesn't have that in the same sense, but it's exploring different things and mm-hmm. the environments are different. Like we've already seen vast portions of LA. The first Blade Runner is just in the the damp, murky streets of Neo Los Angeles. This goes to San Diego, which I love is literally just a giant dumpster in yeah. the future. <laughs> um, that and... seems to be
1: ruled by the Lord humongous.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that shit's hilarious. Um, and uh, because K is a replicant, his worldview is more constricted and he's more confined to the narrow hallways of like the LAPD. He doesn't talk to people. He goes home and he has a a, a digital girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Who may or may not actually want free will because she doesn't know what it is. Is it her programming? And I, I just really like that stuff where once I tuned into that, I got into the movie. Like you were saying with your... Um, experience with the first Blade Runner that was like me with this movie but in the span of half an hour. Yeah. And then once I honed in on that I was like oh my god this is good. This is yeah this is my shit. And then and as, the girlfriend... progresses, as the movie progresses it gets more open and then you get that more fever dream free-flowing style narrative going yeah. on because Kay is exploring the potential humanity inside of him and what that means in you know, reality. And so I was like, oh my God, this is fucking good. <laughs> well, yeah, I was on board. And you also have the really, uh, it
1: was just once Gosling starts to fall apart, like halfway through um, was when I kind of really started falling in love with it. Cause it was just really interesting to see a character who was really kind of fine with not having free will. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what he's living in beforehand. And then he suddenly has his whole world turned upside down. And he realizes he's not what he thought he was this whole time. That was just, like, that was just really fun. I'm going to really enjoy revisiting it. Cause there's, I, I, I'm not a guy who picks up on every little detail when I watch a movie the first time. So it's going to take me a long time to really get to the heart of what's going on with Gosling. But it was still fun to explore.
0: Yeah, it, it really was. Uh, and something else I think worth noting is that uh, it's very similar to Thief. In the original, uh, Michael Mann's original first film, Thief, you don't see the tops of buildings. You just see skyscrapers, and it's almost like uh, designed like a prison. That's what he was going for in how they framed Chicago in that film. In the original Blade Runner, you, you see them going on tops of rooftops a lot and exploring a lot of scenery in L.A., in Blade Runner 2049, you don't see a lot of tops of buildings. It's very confined pillars, very much well, like are, a prison in itself. Well, there's, there are scenes where we do go above the buildings. Very few, and, though.
1: No, but we go above them, but then we're almost always immediately shown that there's another taller building. Mm-hmm. Like, nearby. So it's like, no matter how high you're going, it's still there.
0: Yeah, and that really adds to um, Kay's journey, I feel like. Yeah.
1: Um, One thing, though, i got to point out is that it's kind of ridiculous that Deckard is hiding out in Las Vegas. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because Las Vegas is not a city built to last. Everything in Vegas is built to last maybe 10, 15 years. It's a city that's meant to get rebuilt constantly. And uh, so it's a little weird that Deckard goes, and it's there's all these monuments that have somehow lasted. Um, well, maybe but we, whatever they, they build
0: it to. Well, no, oh, look, the monuments are falling apart as we see. Yeah, fall-
1: yeah but the fact that they're even there—that's not <laughs> Vegas. That's not Vegas. <laughs> if if Vegas suddenly changed that way, why isn't there a statue of Penn and Teller? <laughs> <laughs> and but honestly, that scene, that shootout. With the hologram Elvis that is malfunctioning, (laughs) Um, that might be the best thing I've seen all year. Oh, that was awesome! That scene was so fucking good and so just like eerie. (laughs) I mean, oh, that was like when I was like, and and that was after I was kind of a little put off because when Harrison Ford first showed up, he was a little too much old man Harrison Ford. And not, you know, I, I was feeling like I was watching Harrison Ford at first and not Deckard, but it, it managed to switch that around at some point. Um, but hey, uh, I'm glad he was only in it for like 10 minutes. Not because I'm like anti Harrison Ford. I'm just, you needed Gosling to drive this movie.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a team-up movie. Even when yeah, they I, meet, it wasn't a, a team-up thing. It was just part of the narrative. A natural yeah, they meet presence. up and then they are immediately separated. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I was honestly uh, surprised they didn't kill him off because I felt like that was going to be a thing for Harrison Ford. It'd be
1: great if he just kept coming back with his old characters and then dying. <laughs>
0: yeah. But uh, nope, works for this movie too. Yeah. Although I think
1: part of that might be because I think this movie was trying to set up a sequel that is probably now not going to happen. Um, Do you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's setting up a sequel in a way that we haven't seen in a long time, which is that this movie made sure to tell its story and then left a couple doors open that we didn't need closed to be like, and if we wanted to explore this, we always could. I mean, that's that's really all it did. Because so many movies today that set up sequels literally leave huge, important plot details for sequels. And that's why most movies today are kind of really half-baked. Um, you feel like you're only getting like the first act of a story every time. I mean, that's the fucked up thing about Marvel for me lately is that every movie of theirs I've seen, it feels like I bar- we barely get out of the first act. <laughs> And then it's like, all right, come next year. <laughs> um, but this movie it tells its story, and then but then it's like, yeah, and then the rebellion's coming, and we're gonna overthrow everything, and the people will finally be free. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> like we don't need to see that in this movie. In fact, it's probably I, I'm honestly glad we're probably not gonna get a sequel to it. Um, this was fine by me. But I know that Sony did not greenlight this movie without thinking they were starting another
0: franchise. Well, oh, that's fucking hilarious. I didn't even like consider that because it's Sony. It's like, yeah. all right, one of the best-reviewed films of the year. Maybe one of the best-reviewed movies of all time. But uh, it's, it's a box office bomb, so it doesn't matter.
1: This is the only property they've rebooted that's worked, and it's the movie that's not going to make any money. <laughs> <laughs> it'll make its money back, but it's not going to be a hit. You think so? It's, I think it'll make its money back, because it'll probably be bigger overseas. It'll probably be huge in Japan. Not that, like, that can really carry a movie, but I think it'll make, I think it'll break even, and then it'll be like, well, it didn't make enough. And then Sony will say they lost money so they can get a tax write-off. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's Hollywood. Yeah. Um, that's Sony Hollywood. Um, and even then, like, I mean, they, fucking, they were probably happy that one of the most iconic shots in science fiction also featured a Coca-Cola logo. Because that was <laughs> a good excuse for them to have the Sony logo everywhere in this movie.
0: Yeah, I caught that. And I was like, of course. Like, I mean, like, I can't complain about it,
1: because that's, that's Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Blade Runner had those logos. The Atari logo showing up was a little... But uh, the Pan Am logo shows up. The Pan Am logo, logo shows up, and Pan America hasn't existed for about 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> so that was interesting. And that's kind of like in uh, 2001, there's Pan, a- there's Pan Am and uh, Bell Telephone. <laughs> <laughs> which are two companies that don't exist anymore. Uh, Fun little time capsules. Yeah. 2001, the year we finally reached Jupiter. <laughs> oh. Thank God things worked out and we didn't elect Ronald Reagan. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, and that was that Star Wars program working, Ronnie. All right. <laughs> Almost started a nuclear war. Hopefully we won't elect another idiot that almost does that.
0: Oh, we too... could
1: all die before you post this episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's depressing. Um,
1: all right, one of the one of the more lopsided things about the movie is that uh, the dialogue in the first, I would say like maybe twenty, thirty minutes of the movie is very uh, off. It's very uh, exposition-driven. It's the classic uh, M. Night Shyamalan thing of, well, of course you know, and then someone explains something to someone that that other character should already know. (laughs) (laughs) Which is every other scene in the last Airbender movie. Oh, my God. Uh, Like, you know, there's the scene where the guy's like, oh, you remember the blackout? The blackout that destroyed all our information? You know the blackout? that destroyed everything, the blackout. <laughs> and then Gosling's like, yes, I know about the blackout, the blackout that destroyed everything. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, like that was a little off. That was like at the moments in the beginning, you're always kind of like not digging it. And then, but it, it stopped that fairly quickly. Um, there's a couple more moments like it, but not as egregious as
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. I, ah. I would, I would agree. Um... But I I would also say that that worked for me in the long run as well because, like I said, like the the plot focused first half, maybe first third, even. Um, mm. Once it starts kicking in with the the ideas and the the character driven narrative, where it really starts opening up, um, it all just flows for me. Well, here's something.
1: I, here's something about this movie that I think is kind of similar to the original Blade Runner in a way. Um, The the main plot of this movie, the MacGuffin, essentially, is that a replicant has had a child. Correct? Yep. That's the least interesting thing about the movie. (laughs) And you wouldn't think that. That seems like a pretty big deal. It's a big deal for everyone in the world, but of all the ideas in this movie, that's the one I'm thinking about the least, having walked out of the movie. I'm thinking more about hologram Frank Sinatra <laughs> than <laughs> that child. And you know I just think, I think that's a lot of what Blade the, the main story of Blade Runner isn't really the most inter- isn't is the least interesting thing about it. And I think if you can live with that you'll love the movie. And I don't get why people can't live with that. Um, it's not like Blade Runner is like this... It's not like Blade Runner is a prequel to an another important science fiction film <laughs> that really needed to have well-established characters. <laughs> and a story that made fucking a lick of sense. Um, oh, and dialogue goodness. that didn't make you want to shoot your brains out. Um... Oh, well, we can talk about someone in this, That if someone in this movie had started talking about sand, I would have fucking put two barrels in my mouth.
0: <laughs> but then they, they make uh, you ask, like, what even is sand? Like, is that relative to the something about existence? Is it only coarse <laughs> because I'm
1: programmed to think it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would make an. Interesting- does it get, Does it get everywhere? Or is sand already everywhere, like <laughs> dust in the wind?
0: And then consumers like bombs. A... Like, okay, I want to talk about the score really quick. You found a sock in a drawer. <laughs> uh, I will say I think when the score works, it works at like, like swoosh, like. Nothing but net. And then other times, it is a Hans Zimmer score when he stretched <laughs> a little too thin. And I, I, I wish he, he hadn't been the one to score it. And I would have really liked to have heard what Johann Johansson had come up with. Yeah, How do you but... Um, I
1: don't know. I think the score was the best comedic sidekick in recent film history. Oh. he was like Costello to Gosling's Abbot <laughs> uh, I mean it, it. I don't know I, I liked the score but I was kind of laughing at it because it really did come in at moments that made you go like <laughs> like, like of course like big moment has just happened <laughs> like, literally
0: like every couple of minutes that would happen you know who would have done a really good uh score for this movie Daft punk yeah maybe i I think their tron legacy stuff's really underrated that that's an incredible score
1: yeah they had to, they had they had the misfortune of getting attached to
0: a very underwhelming movie I will agree to disagree but um i I think those those guys are are excellent musicians and i I would have loved to have heard what they could do with this mm-hmm but uh, again, when when it works, like there's this image of uh, when Kay and Joy go to San Diego, and he's like, "Want to go for a ride?" And then it cuts to the dam, and there's like release of water, and then there's like this this synth that just kicks off, and you're like, "Whoa!" I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm in a Blade Runner sequel." That's right, I forgot. And it just like I felt like I was floating for a second in the theater.
1: You know, I didn't get any real emotional reaction like that. Oh wow. Yeah, I never really got that emotional during the movie, but it still might be my favorite movie of the year. Um, I know I'm saying this though, but I know there was one moment where I was feeling really emotional, and now I cannot remember what that moment was. Um, which is odd. I don't think I've ever had that happen. Was it the Cowboy Bebop ending? No. Okay. was not the Cowboy Bebop ending. Okay, because that's what that totally is. We
0: can agree on that, right?
1: Yeah, I guess. I was thinking of Drive. Oh, okay. I mean, because Gosling and I was thinking of real human
0: beings. Oh, that totally would have worked in this movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, fucking get what's-his-fuck to do this movie and then have cannibals in it for some reason.
0: Neon Demon's amazing.
1: The Neon, Demon, the Neon Demon is amazing, and the best part about it is I know exactly what moment people started booing at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Refn
0: would have, I think, been an interesting Blade Runner movie, too.
1: Yeah, I think it would have been more of a Refn movie than a Blade Runner movie, though. Mm. Um, which is fine. I mean, I love Refn. It's just... I, I didn't expect to get another Blade Runner movie. Honestly, like there, I had this weird thing about this movie because I love Blade Runner, but I was not excited about this movie at all. Um, even with everyone like going this weekend, like, oh my god, it's amazing. Um, I wasn't like going like because I never, I've mentioned before on the show, I never needed another Blade Runner movie, like, I never felt the need for it, mostly because I was honestly not expecting it. But what I got was another Blade Runner movie. And it made me realize that this is a type of movie that really doesn't happen too often. And it's a movie that is going to probably influence people a lot over the next ten years. Um, I honestly think it'll end up being as influential as the original Blade Runner. I I think I can already say that, having only watched it this one time.
0: Whoa, that's, that's a bold statement. I like that you made it.
1: I know, it is. I mean, well... Blade, it's got a tough look. I mean, the only problem is Blade Runner basically invented cyberpunk. Yeah. So it's probably not going to do that. But the one thing is, this is going to be the movie everyone points to it as predicting a lot of future technology. Because um, a lot of the stuff that I think was showcased in this is not too far off. Um, I mean, when... Did, did, was that... All right. Was that a digitally deaged Sean Young in this?: Yes. So that wasn't a double or anything.
0: Uh, a double, but also did they get uh, Did they bring her? They back her. Like, did
1: she All right. Um, I just wasn't sure if they but regardless, because um, that looked you know, digital Tarkin was last year, and digital
0: Tarkin is already kind of not aged well. That's the biggest mistake in Rogue One. I will continue and, to stand by that. But, sh- like, I'll have to
1: look at it. I was trying to find flaws in it the whole time she was on the screen, which is exactly what Harrison Ford's character is doing in that moment, which adds a weird metatextual layer to all this. Um, and I couldn't... I, it looked so good. Like it, and that was like a moment of that was kind of like a gut punch moment of when she walked on the screen. Not really because of the character elements, but because I suddenly realized that we really aren't that far off from a, an all digital movie that looks real. Like I'm, am like ten years. It, it's going to happen, and that to me, and that's what is this movie is kind of about a lot of that that we're we're going to we're going to start experiencing humanity in a lot of different ways without human elements i mean like we can talk about how gosling has this weird relationship with his hologram computer friend woman wife thing um but that's going to be all, that's probably going to be all of us in 50 years Like, how we interact with humanity is going to change a lot. Especially when we can start recreating... When the tools to do those sort of digital effects become something everyone can do, which isn't that far off. I mean, it sounds like that's something that's very far away, but it's really not. Um, That's going to change everything. And that was kind of like the meta layer of this movie. Which, the meta stuff is usually the thing I'm least interested in. In a movie Um, but it was really interesting here because like the whole movie I was kind of thinking about how we really aren't that far off from all digital like a completely digitally generated movie that
0: looks real I hadn't really considered that to that extent and yeah that does I totally see where you're coming from now in in terms of, of this movie I've been thinking about that a lot like lately
1: so I, I brought a lot of those ideas to this movie because um, I mean those up ep- this is probably gonna air before our Star Wars stuff I'm guessing
0: yes uh, um, I, I plan to get this out like immediately the week after. hopefully by the morning after we record this I'm I'm just gonna let it load I got I got all the, okay. the graphics ready but um yeah just
1: what but, but it's gonna probably come out before that so but because of a lot of the digital filmmaking that I have been thinking about, digital filmmaking a lot lately, um, and that you know we're going to get to a point where someone on their home computer could remake Star Wars with their computer. Like you don't need you don't need any of the actors, you don't need any of the sets, you can digitally make everything and it'll look real. And it'll sound real. And then you're going to start getting people who can make their own versions of Star Wars. And so then you're going to start seeing all sorts of weird... If as, as So long as copyright dies, which is something that needs to happen. Um, but we're, we're about to enter a really weird future if Trump doesn't get us all killed. <laughs> It's 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 freakish. It's it's very I mean there's a lot of melancholy in this movie, as you know, and there's a lot of weirdness in how relationships are in the future, because it it really would change everything if we could all have digital friends that are programmed to be our friends. I mean her kind of touched on this a -hmm. little bit. Um and uh, but it's not that far away. And how it's it's just the way relationships are, are gonna be a really different thing. And I'm not talking about like, you know, sexual relationships, I'm talking about any relationship. I'm talking about how we talk to each other. It's it's about to become very different. Um and even and, you know, it might sound weird, but concepts that we live with today are very new and we don't realize it. Like the idea of dying more than 20 miles from where you were born is a very weird idea 50 years ago. And now it's a thing everyone does. So, I mean, even the concept of the teenager is only like 70 years old. So, film is barely over a century old. (laughs) And that's changed the world. I mean books are older than movies and movies have done far more than books ever have in a less in a shorter period of time. So that really a lot of what was happening in Blade Runner 2049 was making me think about that. And just not just as like, you know, tangible future stuff but also kind of story and just what was going on in the narrative of Blade Runner. And I just feel like this is going to be a movie that people kind of look back on and be like, wow, it kind of called everything. <laughs> so long as it's not saved on hard drives. Because <laughs> <laughs> this movie kind of points out that that's not a good idea.
0: Because that's probably something that's going to happen. It was. <laughs> I, I'm kind of bummed that the Star Wars stuff hasn't... I haven't been putting it out yet because I'm saving it for You know, the Mm -hmm. trailer, uh, spoiler, I guess. This is going to come out the same time as that trailer, so this will be the announcement as well. Um, But, yeah, because in our Attack of the Clones, we talk about that that whole digital transfer, the digital degradation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be fucking, yeah.
1: And, I mean, and also, I'm putting my money down now. Uh, YouTube will be gone within 10 years.
0: Fuck, RIP to all these.
1: Catch us on SoundCloud. Yeah, I'm just saying YouTube's not making it into the next decade. (laughs) I mean, not making it through the next decade. It'll make it to the next decade. But uh, unless it radically changes, and if it does, it won't be YouTube anymore. Um, We've just been shown enough evidence that the YouTube model doesn't work.
0: Are we talking about YouTube Red? No,
1: I'm not talking about YouTube Red. I'm talking about YouTube. Um, The idea of just anyone uploading video. Uh, it's not whatever comes next. You're gonna have to pay money to upload videos to it. That's the only way it can work. So this uh, got so serious. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, this is I. No, no, I this, this is good. Is, I mean, it, uh, this is what I was thinking about coming out of Blade Runner, and I've been thinking about a lot of stuff like this lately. Because uh, honestly, the weird thing is. As horrible as the Blade Runner future looks, I kind of wish I could live in it. Um, Cause am I'm, I'm always fascinated with the future. And like even I've always just even the horrible stuff still looks better than a lot of stuff we're kind of stuck with right now. Um, and, and that's not even me talking about just like Trump. That's just it's me kind of just talking about a lot of weird things. I like. I just know people have to live with that. I know will get solved, but not in time for a lot of people. And uh, as, as specifically, I mean, I talk about my chronic illness. My chronic illness only has about ten years of research, like serious research behind it. And it's a thing that affects more Americans than cancer. <laughs> but it because it doesn't really kill anyone. There's not a lot of money going towards it. But in the future, it's probably going to be something that we can take care of very easily. But we're not there yet. So. Yeah. Oh, shit.
0: How am I supposed to follow that up? Jesus Christ. Um, just admit I'm right about everything. <laughs> At least on this episode, for now. No, I've, I've always been right. <laughs>
1: no. I guess you want to talk about your bullshit Alien Covenant nonsense, you fucker (laughs) no goddamn piece of shit (laughs) fucking run that movie over with a fucking steamroller
0: alien covenant is a borderline masterstroke but it's not as fucker it's not as good fucker (laughs) fucking
1: monster you disgusting (laughs) slab of fucking
0: waste (laughs) fucking bullshit uh, but it does not have the same meditative nature as Blade Runner 2049.
1: There's more in Jared Leto's bad performance than oh there is in God. all of no, Alien no. Covenant. No, 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 there no. is Fuck no off. value in Alien Covenant. There's, other than it's, it's a good example of how not to make a movie.
0: <laughs> there is nothing but value in Alien There's, Covenant.
1: It, it's such a waste. It's such a sadness of a film. <laughs> Or maybe and again, it's
0: an analysis of how humanity keeps constructing their own versions of hell. But whatever, fuck
1: you, fuck your hell bullshit, Ridley
0: Scott, you dick. <laughs> yeah, I read Paradise Lost too. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, I do vastly prefer because i I don't consider myself a cynical person. I like the nihilism of the alien franchise, and it's still my favorite franchise but um I don't really have a way of connecting it to Alien Covenant other than the opening shot, but that's just like a a trope for this quote unquote universe of films, mm-hmm. I guess they're not in the that. same universe no they're not, but it's fun to talk about I think
1: Keep keep the wall
0: up yeah <laughs> build that wall, build the oh. wall no, no, no um The world is walls, Diego. That was a weird line. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, Some of the the, the ideas in, in, again, that first half hour, it's a little clunky. It doesn't doesn't come together really well. There's about 10
1: billion ideas in Blade Runner 2049. And about a billion of them don't work. (laughs) But the other billion do. But the other 9 billion are fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I really love this movie. I was I was pleasantly surprised at how much I liked it. Um, oh. But also, just so everyone knows that I'm probably full of shit, I also really like Mother. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alien Covenant is my mother. Um. Sure. Oh, fuck off. That sounded really odd. Um. should <laughs> have. They should have. Uh, I already said this in the other show, but. What's his name? Should have done Alien Covenant. Karen um, Aronofsky? Oh, yeah, he'd be perfect. Give him oh. the Alien films. Fuck you. Well, you know what? Yeah, I kind of
0: like his other movies.
1: And Locke Ridley Scott <laughs> in a closet.
0: Blade Runner 2049.
1: Blade Runner 2049 is on the opposite end of the Velker of <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Alien Covenant and is the best movie. Um, uh, I loved it. I was so happy. I was not expecting... I really had zero expectations for it, which might be why I'm having such a positive response. I was actually fairly pessimistic about it. Um, But it's a movie I know. Flaws and all, which I'm guessing I haven't even noticed the biggest flaws of it. I'm guessing there are plot holes in this movie that I could drive fucking a boat through. (laughs) But... It doesn't matter, because I think I'm still going to be revisiting this movie. It's not going to be a movie I revisit trying to like it. It's a movie that I've accepted, that it's probably got problems, but I am willing to live with those problems for the other things that are in it.
0: As am I. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about really quick is the ending, because this is when uh, well for me, I think I talked about it on the show too, uh, a movie that pulls off a good ending. More often than not, that becomes my favorite part of the movie because it's like that final cherry on top, that little control S save, you know, like done. Like that is the final little message you want to send out with your movie. And because of the, the, the narrative of this movie being about Kay's journey to find his own humanity and, you know, like questioning whether robots have souls or, or replicants have souls. And then early on in the movie – um Robin Wright tells him, like, oh, well, you've been getting along fine with that one, a soul, you know, whatever. And then uh, I think at the end there, Kay, in his journey to reunite Deckard and his half-replicant, half-human daughter, uh, he found his soul. Not just through that, but, like, the, the entire events of the movie and how he learned to to be human by... Not just because he sacrificed himself but putting needs of others before his own uh, that that selflessness I think is is very human defining and I found that very touching I didn't get like too emotional or anything it didn't like choke me up but i I really loved this character a lot and that just really blew me away that this movie exists in this form in this day and age because it's almost three hours long and that they allowed this movie to end the way it did with Ryan Gosling dying on the steps, Hmm. realizing that his existence did have a purpose and mattered, even if it didn't matter to anybody else. And I thought that was cool.
1: I like the part where the lady punched the dude from a hole in drive and shattered his skull. (laughs) I too like that. Part. That was my favorite. Um, that was my favorite know. scene in the movie.
0: That is not the guy from Mulholland Drive. Oh, what? It wasn't? <laughs> no, that that's not the guy from Mulholland. What the fuck are you talking about? What? Wait, I thought it was the dude who went behind the diner. No, they look very similar, but that's not oh, very. it wasn't him, really. No, white, white people all look the same. I guess. Yeah. No, but they I, really, very, I thought very, it was similar. him. I, who is he? Uh, his name is David Dust Malchian. He's in Dark Knight and uh, Ant-Man.
1: Oh, God, I don't... Oh, yeah, he had this shitty accent in Ant-Man. Yeah. That's why I don't remember him. Do you yeah. have an accent in Dark Knight? I don't remember him in Dark Knight. No, he was uh, um,
0: one of the dudes that, that Harvey Dent captures after the quote-unquote assassination of Commissioner Gordon.
1: Oh yeah, that scene.
0: Yeah. That that's him. That's the same guy.
1: Oh he hasn't aged well. That was only ten years ago. Oh no. Sorry guy. I it thought looks... you were the dude from Mulholland Drive. No, that's that's a different guy. But it yeah. was like hey, yeah. <laughs> that's so fucking funny. I like the scene where your skull got crushed anyway. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Yeah. So so yeah, guy from the hole and drive. I don't care, it's still him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's his
1: replicant. They've cloned him. <laughs> fuck you, replicant.
0: <laughs> but yeah, this this is a this is a hell of a movie.
1: And, yeah, go uh, see it. Although you should have seen it before listening to our dumbasses ramble about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But fuck it. Thank you for, for listening anyways.
1: I think this proves that I'm very, I'm a very dumb person. But I like
0: this movie. <laughs> no, because um, we're talking about two different reasons of why we like it. You're talking about the the future and the impact it's going to have on people, and I'm talking about the impact it had on the people in it. Like, li- like literally, I
1: just the moments of the movie that I really liked are like the scenes when the replicants could like open a door really well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my was god, like i weird, love that.
1: They were like these weird little beats because you know they look so human, and then every now and then they would do like a weird thing, that reminded you that they were replicants, and you'd be like, "Oh yeah," you yeah.
0: know, like when Ryan Gosling just runs through a fucking wall. Just, oh yeah, that, was, that made
1: me that made me laugh though.
0: Oh my god, I loved
1: it. Uh, uh, and Dave Bautista, I mean, but Dave Bautista could have been human; he could have done that.
0: <laughs> no, that was just him. That was an actual wall. Yeah, <laughs> they had to get a. a... They rewrote
1: the whole movie. Ryan Gosling <laughs> wasn't meant to be a replicant originally, but because he got thrown through the wall by Dave Bautista. <laughs> they had to. <laughs> they they had to rewrite it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. So, so thank you, Dave
0: Bautista, <laughs> for saving Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, I also want to say his lines, that line, uh, you've never seen a miracle. That's a, that's a hokey-ass line. But damn it, Dave Bautista will sell anything because that man is a, a very yeah, hard how did, actor.
1: How is he that good at delivering weird lines?
0: You know what? I have no idea. But my God, he can act. He can act. He, he
1: can, which is interesting. Um, I hope to see him have a really interesting career because so far he's popping up in movies I don't expect him to.
0: Yeah, I'm very happy for him. He's my favorite guardian of the galaxy and he's... He's a highlight in movies like this still.
1: And one other thing about lines in the movie. Uh, Harrison Ford said something about cheese. He was quoting, uh, what was he quoting again? Uh, Tale Too Soon, I, I think. No, I think he was, uh, I thought it was Treasure Island.
0: Treasure Island? What the fuck? Yes, it is Treasure Island.
1: I totally blanked. I was like, what the fuck? I've never read Treasure Island.
0: Oh, and, okay, it's good.
1: Um, and I was like, what the fuck? That was like a weird... Because that's like the first line. You've been wait, the whole movie, you're waiting for Harrison Ford and he mentions cheese. And then I thought of uh, The Cheese Stands Alone. <laughs> and then I thought of I Am the Cheese, which is a terrible book. So, so would night, you everyone. recommend
0: Blade Runner 2049?
1: I would recommend Blade Runner 2049. I would also recommend burning every copy of I Am the Cheese you find. Seriously, fuck that movie. Okay. that book. It's a shitty movie, too. They made it into a movie that's somehow even worse. Oh, my God. They made me read it in high school. I'm so angry about that book. <laughs> it's that Robert Cormier fucker who also wrote The Chocolate War, which was another shitty book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fucking hated that guy. God damn it. I, too, would recommend Blade Runner 2049. And it's one of those movies where I know sometimes people say this a lot, but Uh, The more I think about it, the more I'm finding love about it. And it is... Yeah, like, I mean, you said it best. I can't believe they made a sequel to Blade Runner. Not just any other movie.
1: That is a Blade Runner sequel.
0: yeah that that is... That wasn't
1: changed. I mean, it was Blade
0: Runner. It's a new story, but it was Blade Runner. And that's... That's... Fucking hard to do. That that seemed like an impossible task, but they we'll did talk it. about
1: another franchise that tried to do something very similar recently. But that is for another day,
0: Diego. Yes, yes, it is. Um, again, the announcement that we're doing the Star Wars retrospective, leading up to Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Fun stuff coming up there. Um, the trailer will have dropped by the time this is up. So. Make sure to check all that out. Matt, where can the people find you? You can find me at uh, EmperorOTN at Twitter.com. And you can find me on Twitter at waffles. Uh, go like, subscribe. If you didn't like, like and subscribe anyways, because you might find something you do like. Also, we're on Patreon now, where we've raised some money, thankfully, and it's not an embarrassing disaster. Because, I'll have you know, I've given no money. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, because if you can't give money, that's okay, because money is hard to give. So, just Thanks continue. for having
1: me on your show constantly and doing all the work. <laughs>
0: Thank you for, for coming on my show and doing all the work. Just continue liking, <laughs> subscribing, and sharing, because that helps us a lot. But uh, we're doing retrospectives. We started commentary, just a Bad Boys 2 commentary, which is tragic and... <laughs> beer while watching I'll, it. I'll oh. have to. Ch- I'll have to check that out. You gotta watch Bad Boys 2 though.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, which, which I don't own.
0: Oh, it's on Netflix, I think. So we
1: go. we got to do a commentary together someday.
0: I want to so badly.
1: But I would have to be in the same room as you for that, I would think.
0: I, I think I I would prefer that, but I think mm-hmm. there are still ways around it in case that takes too long. But so we'll have to talk about that another time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Wait a minute. Ryan Gosling was a replicant? The future of the species is finally unearthed. (laughs) We've been professionally unprofessional. (laughs)